welcome to the Toronto Ultra Merkin Maven podcast here for another uh, phenomenal episode. And today uh, we have uh, James Eubanks. Clayster, sir, how you doing? I'm doing all right, guys. How about you? I- I'm doing well. Weather's beautiful. It's been vibing. Um, chilling, honestly. Not-, not much going on. I'm a dad, so my life's crazy. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just proud of Maven. He's getting sun. You look a little sunburned as well. So I'm very happy with that. I've, you yeah. know, just taking care of your health. We're worried about your age now. You're getting to that point. I'm going to keep talking about it every single episode. Uh, but yeah, yeah Clay, thanks I'll, for, I'll, uh, like thanks for rejoining us. <laughs> yeah, his head's looking a little red. I don't know if that's just maybe the reflection yeah. or something, but you definitely no, no, were out red. there. You were oh, okay. Red. You were out there for a while, huh? He's like a solar yeah. panel on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I, my only lighting I have in here, because I pull up, I'm so close to my monitor, and I pull up like our, our script, and it's just like a white Google Doc. So it's just like, yeah, that's looks like I'm getting flashbanged. So it used to be worse when you didn't have color because you looked like Voldemort. But like sexy, sexy Voldemort. I think I'll co sign that sexy Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. No. I actually vibe with that. But listen, Joe and I were joking that with you, we could we could do six of these, honestly. Um, you've had uh, one of the well, longer careers, obviously, like the longest. Um, and then also all the fucking bullshit you've you've gone through over the years. Like we could literally have, yeah, like five to ten episodes. But we're gonna cut it down to each, what we can. Each year, each year, yeah, we, we <laughs> yeah, could probably yeah. do an hour episode. <laughs> if, if there's anyone who wants to make a documentary out there, you know, okay. we could make like a 15 part series, like a little mini series, sell it to HBO or something. All right, come on, I, you know I, what I'm I was joking. I was yeah. watching. Uh, uh, Kelly hadn't seen The Last Dance, so I was rewatching that, and I was like, I want like every major personality in every single field just have a documentary company that follows them around at all times. Like it'll <laughs> suck for them, but that's what I, I need because I love that shit. Like, it's so good. There's some good content for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just like they're popping up everywhere. It's so popular. Like, after the what Drive to Survive, now you have like the golf one, the tennis one. Like, I think people are getting more and more invested in that. So, I just want that for everything. Yeah, I got to start the golf one. I haven't started it yet. Is it good? Have you watched any it's of good. it? I've heard it's great. It's I haven't good. watched it. Yeah. I watch it. It's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does its job, it which is like people, I, I think they're trying to like, you know, get the younger generation into golf. You know, it's one of the, it's definitely an older sport, but it, you know, showing the personalities off. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's very, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's the same people that do try to survive. So yeah. Any, any good competitive environment, like it, it, you got to get to know the characters and the personalities and anybody who knows how to put together a good story behind that. I mean, it's just good content. People watch it. It's entertaining. I'll I'll have to check it out. Mm -hmm. That's, that's why dude, Cobb would be, I thought we were doing that at one point. Cobb be great. Cause if listen, you know we might not we be doing a lot a of shit bit. right, but we got the personalities right. Like, uh, what was yeah. the one thing we did for a little bit? Yeah, what was the recon? I think it was called. recon for a yeah. bit. I don't remember what happened. It was like I, three yeah. or four teams every every like event. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. It was cool, but also kind of annoying on game days having to like, <laughs> all right, you got to meet the recon guys at nine a.m. in the hotel lobby. They're gonna take you to the vet. They're gonna follow you in the car. They're gonna be in front of you in the Uber. You got to wait till they get out. Then they'll film you getting out. It's like, okay, I, I got a match mm-hmm. to play. Screw your phone. Oh, screw your documentary. Mm-hmm. It should just be, hey, this is a camera way. guy and he's gonna follow you around and yeah. they'll turn it off when you have to pee. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, now you hear how annoying it is from his side, but I don't give a fuck. I want, I want that with everyone. All right, all right let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into it then, because um, we got a, a lot of shit to go through. So we kind of ask everybody this that comes on, and Clay, I know you've been around forever, but I'm always curious to hear the how. Um, like, what, what, when was the first one? You kind of got into COD, started playing COD. Like, what, what, what was it? 
Yes, yeah, so it, it was actually kind of an interesting story. I've, I mean, I've been a gamer my whole life. Uh, even growing up, when I was a kid, my dad was on like the technology curve. So we had like two PCs in our house. We had two phone lines, so we could be on the phone while we we're on the internet at the same time. So we were always very like from from when I was a kid on the on the video game curve. And I was a huge Xbox fan. I played a ton of Halo and Halo One, Halo Two. I was addicted to Halo Two because it was the first like console experience I got to play, where you're online multiplayer with a headset on playing xbox live back in the day and i i was like a halo fanboy through and through i hated cod i thought cod was for noobs i was like i'll never touch that game I'm and, same <laughs> and slowly oh, but surely battle. you know it was it was the old battle mm -hmm. if you remember that mm -hmm. battle that you are yeah, ancient. That was the old battle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i i was so against it and call of duty 4 came out in 08 i believe it was 07 around there and uh my friend specifically left it over at my house after he came and hung out one time because he knew I would play it that night if he just like left it there. And I remember it was like the first time I picked it up, I, I put it in, I played a headquarters and it was on Crossfire and Call of Duty 4 and I went off. And I remember just that moment clicked in my head where I was like, oh wow, this is like a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, like it was just like first game on because I was already kind of competent on Halo. So just yeah. immediately loading into a pub back in that day, everyone was so bad. So if you were just like even kind of good, you could just go mm -hmm. drop, you know, streaks on them over and over. And so I just remember there was that one moment in that first pub after my friend left it in my house and like he started a now 15, 16 year long journey where I'm still here playing this game. Awesome. Crazy. Yeah, I, it's crazy how you know, you're... Your story is a lot like mine. The sense of yeah, I was a big Halo guy. I was even commenting Halo, and I thought yeah, I thought COD was. Well, his is a little I, different, but he 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 won a lot. Well, true, true. <laughs> yeah, very different there, but I mean, like it, it, it took a while for. I always thought COD looked like shit. I did. I was it just yeah. looked like so fast, and like how fast you died. I was like, nah, it's not for me. But then I don't know. Eventually, it sort of grew on me. Yeah. I think we all started there, or at least I was around like that Xbox Live time. It was like the big three. It was like Halo, Gears, and and uh, and COD, and it was like yeah. you could just play all three of them depending on what you liked. It was like uh, that was the best, the glory days, the yeah. glory days. So what? Um, and then what? Competitive COD for you starting COD four, right? You you played yep. PCLs, AOX, S and D. Yeah. Um, I that history you, not a lot of people that? know about like the old gb days back in like the pcls with aox like if you like some people know who aox is and like art of execution but we were really ahead of the ahead of the times in search i really do feel like we weren't like as strong of a respawn team as even like you and some of your teams were and and other people in that era but i think we really started setting the standard for how search and destroy should be played on like a competitive level on console at least because like you know pro mod was kind of around at the same time but yeah, there was, was like so no different. crossover like we didn't really yeah. like pay attention to them they didn't pay attention to us so it was honestly just like one of those experiences where i worked my way up gb teams until i became quote unquote known like i remember when i was nobody playing with my real life friends just like trying to get on the top 100 teams on game battles and then from there i messaged like the top 50 teams like hey give me a tryout and then just from <laughs> there you just keep building and building and finding good players and bringing them with you and making a new yep. team and finding good players and then eventually we had a team that was like oh wait we're like one of the best in the world now like and then it's like oh we're no no we can get we can team with all these great players now and the the pool of players we can now team with has expanded greatly because we're considered good and it was just getting that consideration to be good, I think, was the hardest part. And I'm, I mean, you went through it, too, Joe. Like, yep. just getting known was the hardest part back in the day. Yeah, I think, really, we only knew, like, there was, like, the fear guys, the envy guys, <laughs> 
you had like people just typing on the forums about like how good these players were. I mean, GB forums is another just absolute. They got all that was deleted because yeah, it was a scary place for everyone. I mean, talk about roasting just behind avatars forever. Uh, but like, that was yeah that was really it like you heard like whispers of like halifax and you know <laughs> these guys that were like winning pcls you were trying to get into eights and you would just like spectate the old eights lobbies but like never sniffed it did, did you win it all in count four did you go to nationals at all in count four did you go to nats so I didn't go to Nets in Cup 4 because I got banned. So not a lot of people okay. know that about me, too. I got banned <laughs> twice in Call of Duty for years long. And, you know, there's actually, like, it, it's funny we talk about forums and just all all of that and stuff. Because, you know, I'm not sure 100 Thieves would be here today if those forums were accessible. Because we used to go wild on that place. Yeah. And I, I, not just everybody, you know. I think it was a, the wild, wild west back then for sure. And. I remember I um I started competing. The first like actual PCL I played in was the third one in 08. So the last okay. one of 2008, and we got we made it to the bracket, and got like top 16 or top 12 or something like that. It was it was me and just like some guys I found on GB. And then in 09, I was banned all of 09 because of uh, something happened with the crown. And if people don't know what this is, back in the old game battles oh. day, the number one team got a crown. And if you beat them, you got the crown. And then anybody mm. who beat you got the crown. And I like did this. We I lost to a team and then didn't report it. Gave the crown to my buddy so we could keep it like in our circle. And they banned me for uh, a year for that because it was like a year, the, a year. And I had to write like an essay to GB Stealth about why I should get unbanned going into MW2. And if I wouldn't have got unbanned and like Fwiz was involved in the in the GB fraud squad, uh, he, he said he had all this documentation on me evading bans and all this stuff. So it was funny because I didn't care about being banned. I just or the money because I couldn't make any money all of 09. I played mm. in every PCL on Xbox. Place. I played in every single PCL just ringing for teams. I just wanted to compete. I wanted to play. Right. I wanted to just like have fun. And like I got high placements in a lot of these teams like in the playoffs, but I just couldn't get any money because I was evading bans just ringing on random accounts oh it's so funny too because like the crown like I, that was <laughs> just on like the regular that. ladder yeah like, that it was wasn't just even, like a, didn't it was literally anything. like it was it was because gb because at a moment you could accept matches you could see who was playing so like teams were like avoiding playing against other good teams to stay on the front page so they introduced the crown so like you would challenge them like that was it it was like basically a way yeah it had nothing to do with, with competing at all, but that's crazy. Um, <laughs> so then your your first tournament was the same as mine, MW2, right? Yeah, MW2, MW2 Nationals. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's wild. Okay. Um, I mean, Maven really just wants to know. So we'll go through MW2. Um, you didn't play Black Ops 1. You took a break. Or, like, I saw you at, like, an event or two. You just did it for fun, I think. Yeah, so the, the career path in this whole time period is a little, like, a lot of people don't really understand what happened. But so, like, 09, I was banned. I got unbanned in 2010. Uh, competed mm -hmm. in then with won a PCL, the first one on Xbox, with Croster and Circa and uh, Nex, actually. We won a PCL together. And this was right as when, like, PlayStation and Xbox were coming out at the same time. And we were playing like both ladders on Xbox and PlayStation. So we were switching controllers back and forth all the time. And then we go into Black Ops 1, and I had a good team. It was me, Croster, Diz, and Twiz. And we were actually really good at the beginning of Black Ops 1. We qualified for the GameStop tournament, which was like, the, was the only good tournaments back then. There was like, yep. you know, like $10,000 you could win. 
And then Croster ended up quitting the game. And Croster, for who, people who don't know, was like my duo. <laughs> he, he was the one who was like the leader of the team. He controlled all the teammates. He handled all the business, like the meat and potatoes of like, you know, everything basically. And so when he quit, I was kind of just like, oh, well, I don't really know what's going on. I qualify for this tournament, but like, I don't really want to play. And so then like Diz and Twiz left and I was going to college at the time. So I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to just enjoy college. It's my freshman year. I'm going to just like have fun. I went and played at like Dallas with Brian Saint, Historify, and Reg Nasty. There was like an old school team called Fly Society I played on. And then yep. when they announced Call of Duty XP for Modern Warfare 3, Obey decided to pick me up once he qualified. Obey Breezy in Modern Warfare 3. And that was like the first million dollar tournament for COD. And oh, I forgot you were there because you ended up beating like Proof in them, right? Yeah, Around we beat one, like, yeah, some Proof TDM Assassin. overtime. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I went to like the last event of BO1, which is like Raleigh or one of the last ones because MW3 Call of Duty XP was like the following month. And we went to MW3 Call of Duty XP and it was a first million dollar tournament. The settings, it was pre-release, crazy, like we're playing TDM. And we ended up upsetting the favorites of the tournament first round. We ended up placing top six in the tournament. I made 12 and a half grand as a sophomore in college. And that was like a validation <laughs> moment for me where I'm like, oh, wait, I can That's make a ton enough. of money when you're a poor yeah. college student. Dude, a ton. I was yeah. the man, dude. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Go back to campus with dollar beers. <laughs> I got everybody. I got everyone. Literally, everyone's drinking on me tonight for 40 bucks. And everyone's like mm -hmm. freaking out. And it's like, dude, I got a lot more 40 bucks. <laughs> 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 so it was it, that whole time period from like mw2 to mw3 was kind of like i was on and off not really fully committing you know it was yeah. kind of like i was playing when the opportunity arrived but if, if stuff got hectic in my life and i was really like busy with work or school or something else i'd kind of just like put it on the back burner yeah nobody really knew what this was going to turn into then that's yeah. why we we went to school um then we get to black ops 2 uh, I think everybody wants to know about Black Ops 2, the ponytail. Um, everyone, I got to hear that you just had the ponytail. You were just letting it rock. Yeah, I mean, uh, not a lot of people know this about me, but I used to tease the picture. Uh, that, <laughs> I put it in the like, script just because like, I want to see it again. That's okay. it. I, I, this look, this specific look is not how I normally looked, first of all. Like, it looks goofy, first off, I have five headsets on, we're wearing like a sponsor headset, surround sound, earbuds, we got 17 wires everywhere, okay? The glasses definitely could have used some work. I was wearing the nerd wire frames, and it, I had this weird stubble, it was right as I was starting to grow facial hair, it, I, I was a very late bloomer, okay? We all had the blunder it, years, we've all it, been there. And honestly, it was Fike. If you guys know who Fike is, he convinced yeah. me to keep the facial hair for this event, and it looks terrible. I can't believe he didn't tell me to shave it or do something. <laughs> and honestly, this look is just not it. I was experimenting but it's a iconic. lot. It is iconic. I'll give it that. I had that mm -hmm. ponytail for two years. It was Bring long. It my, back. my hair was down to like here. Like if I let it down, it was like long, long. And mm -hmm. I used to experiment with my hair all the time. I actually had dreadlocks once upon a time. There's not a single picture of me on the internet. I, it was before, like, you know, I really got uh -huh. popular. And if, any, if anyone can dig a picture of me up with dreadlocks, I will give you, like, $1,000. Because there's <laughs> none on the internet. I've made sure of that, you know. And I always just like to mix it up, do different things. And the ponytail with the long hair was just, it was just my vibe at the time, man. I mean, it's, well, you know, it's I iconic. Like, I, 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 I didn't really need anything from that part. I just wanted to see the picture again. Um, really, just because that's 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 like my 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 first memory of you is like foul foul and ponytail. 
like when I think of switching over from like Halo yeah. to like COD, like Ponytail and like you with the foul. That's like the two things that like comes to mind. But where I wanted to like kind of start the just the wackiness of your road, because I know there was all that stuff leading into it and it was it was crazy, but it was before like you really became you. Um, with Black Ops 2, I thought the one thing that I just want to hear the why behind it. I always thought funny, like right before the complexity dynasty, I always thought your Black Ops 2 champs team was the funniest thing to me. Because somehow it ended up being you, Gunshi, Shane, and Tommy, all EU players. And you guys had top 24, so you were ass. But like, it, how, how did that even come together? Yeah, I, I mean... I love all those guys. Let me let me say that first. But if you could point to one thing in my career that's probably like my biggest regret in terms of how I went about it, it was probably that choice. And not because they were like awful or like whatever. It was just a very weird time. Like I qualified for champs with three people who couldn't play. And then it was a very weird situation where there was only a couple free agents that I really wanted to team with that could have worked. One of them being Dito, one of them being John, who is like the, the John 287 that was just recently playing. But my roster lock was extended. So I had like three weeks to find teammates since I had to find three players. But all the other teams who only had like one kid on their team who they needed to replace for champs had their roster lock like two weeks shorter than mine. So then Dito, John, all these people got offers like before I had settled on what I was trying to do with the team. And so they took them, obviously, because it's, they have an opportunity to go play at champs. These, these people who didn't qualify. No, you got to find three versus people finding one. It's just you're in a exactly. Spot, and so it was a weird time. A weird it was. Time. Yeah. It was. And there was very few rosters. I remember one of them was like Silly, Shills, and Enzo. That was like one of the rosters I was going to potentially do. One of them was like Hex P, which was like... I can't remember exactly who was on the team at the time. It was like, I think some combination of like Gucci and Chino mm. or so, somebody around back in the day. I think like, I messaged you because yeah. we were worried about Seth at some point. Yeah, like, there, because uh, Seth got blessed and they changed the rules for him <laughs> to, to play. And uh, <laughs> nobody will admit that, but it was just all of a sudden, oh, 17 year olds can play. Oh, look, he can play. John, can play I too, that. John yeah. played too, right? Yeah. yeah I think so. He did. And so, <laughs> and so it was a common, I had like three or four different rosters to pick from. And, those three European guys, they had competed at COD XP and gotten like top eight placements. And at the time, that was important to me that they had had the experience playing for that amount of money because yeah. it was like a big deal back then. Like now people come in, you expect them to be ready to play for 200 grand a tournament, a mill a tournament. You know what I'm saying? But back then, I, my choice was because I was like, these guys have played at COD XP last year. They have experienced the pressure, and I think like they're probably the best solution for the best mm. placement here because they have like the, the experience for it. But what I didn't think about is we couldn't practice because I was on 140 <laughs> ping, and so or they were on 140 ping playing NA right. team. So we literally didn't scrim. There was no mm. like pre-scrim before the, mat, the, the the tournament or anything. We didn't have a little ballroom to warm up in or anything. It was just like, oh hey, what's up guys? Like. Let's, you know, we went over call outs. <laughs> you know, let's try and win a BO3. And it was just hard. It was, it was oh, tough. Sure. And it was probably the worst, like, oversight that I, I had when I was creating, like, a really important roster. I mean, dude, I won so many events in Black Ops 2. And I, that chance I it got top 24. Out. I mean, it did work out afterwards. It did work out. I'll take it's it. It's just weird when you look at, like, yeah, like, where you start to blow up in Black Ops 2. And then what follows that, it's just funny when you look at that on like your tournament results. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It just looks so weird. So I just want to kind of hear the the why behind it. But yeah, Joe, you kind of said after that uh, changes a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to, what, complexity? Uh, that starts the dynasty. What, they drop too quick. They bring in you. Uh, what, Anaheim's the first event for you guys. You guys are kind of like the heroes at the time. It's cr crazy how quick that changed because you guys were like, you took down Impact, and then yeah. and then it all, I mean, yeah, it got, uh, I don't know. You guys were the bad guys all of a sudden. Yeah, I think... I, I think a lot of people don't realize the relationships I had with the guys in Complexity beforehand. Like, mm -hmm. I remember the night after, our, uh, it was like Sunday night at that Black Ops 2 Champs, and Pat hit me up to come to the come to my hotel room, we gotta talk. And you remember back in the day when you get those kind of texts, it was like, mm -hmm. oh, we're scheming, we're like we're, sketching. we're, we're yeah. sketching, we're sketching. <laughs> and so, I, I just remember that feeling, I was just like, oh my gosh, like finally, like, my opportunity with like people who believe in me because I was considered washed in Black Ops 2 because I'd taken so much time off. Everyone's like, oh, you're washed in Black Ops 2. You know, this is 2013. And so that's mm -hmm. why I ended up with that Unite team at that first event was because it was like a bunch of 15 and 16 year olds that nobody wanted to play with. And I was like, sure, I'll take the chance. So from the start, you know, it's really been me taking chances. And I played with Krim in Call of Duty 4 on game battles. And I played with Aches and Modern Warfare 2 and a bunch of the PCLs. His gamer tag was Trickster. Because he wanted to, like, like, Patrick, like, Trickster, and he wanted to, like, be like me, you know? So, Aches loves me. <laughs> and so I had a lot of history with those guys. And so joining the team with, like, established people like Cram Aches, Teep, who I was just kind of meeting because he was, like, a PlayStation kid more so before he came over. And uh, I was just so excited to get to work with them. And that Anaheim event, the energy just, like, shifted in how I thought about the game, how I interpreted, like how practice works, <clears throat> kind of how you determine results. Like, I started getting a lot more logical about the game because beforehand I was kind of just playing, you know? Like, we were just playing, oh, set up top grandmas, you know, with a jug M16. Shoot. Yeah, don't miss. <laughs> yeah, don't miss, <laughs> don't right? Miss. Don't yeah. miss. So, so when we actually had to start thinking and being like, okay, hard point, you know, capture the flag, like, you know, how do we bump streaks? Ooh. How do we, you know, how do we, like, actually, you know, and then S&D on top of that. And I really started thinking about the game at, like, a professional level. And... It's funny how you say, like, you know, we were the heroes at Anaheim. The whole crowd was behind us. It took about, like, two more events before the crowd was just like, boo, <laughs> boo. Shout out Pat, probably. Pat, Patney, yeah, and, you know, listen, crowd sure. pleasers, crowd pleasers. <laughs> you know, it's just like, and also, I know how that feels. Like, you know, when you watch yeah. the same team win over and over and over, it's like, okay, somebody else win. You know, that's why even us losing at PAX, like to Embos and Nameless, who never let me live it down. Uh, you know, they, they, it was such a big deal, even though the, it was for like barely any money and like we weren't even taking it that serious. It was one of like a small tournament, but in the grand scheme of things, looking back now, it's like, dang, we probably should have taken that a little more serious to keep this streak going. But we were kind of like, right. oh, this doesn't really matter that much. But now people are like, oh, well, you did lose that one, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they, they remind you all the time, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure of it um then i kind of starts to i mean things get a little crazy i, I don't know if many people know kind of the story with with complexity that how it ended but what you guys um you guys win the first ghost event right yep for, to make it you four in a row four in a row and then bang karma for you comes in and it kind of starts this sort of i mean we'll get to more of it but just, I don't know, wrong, just bad luck, wrong place, wrong time, whatever it is. But I guess with like the Cole dynasty, was it just personalities? I don't, I don't even know what the, what the hell it was. Honestly, like, it, especially now looking back mm. on it all and, and, and being able to like, you know, have much 
more fulfilling and bigger relationships with these people outside of the game, like Aches and Mr. X and Teep and, and Krim. Like, what, who we were and the relationships we had then was very, like, we were complexity. You know, we weren't friends. Like, Clay and Ian weren't friends. You know what I'm saying? Clay and Pat weren't friends. It was more so, like, uh. we were, like, teammates. And after all the success we had seen, the entire way through, I was kind of, like, the punching bag in a way where people would just kind of, like, say, like, like Krim, especially back then, Pat back then, very hard to work with. And I would just, like, take it all in and not really fight back. And I think towards the end of it, the of my stand on complexity, I started getting a little more and more confidence in myself and mm. getting a little bit of an ego and kind of, like, being like, wait, why are you talking to me like that? You know, and kind of fighting back a little more. And it reached pretty much a boiling point when Ghost came out and we did the Machinima Marathon. And I felt very left out with, like, their group. Like, it was literally, like, the rest of the team would, like, go, we were doing this race to prestige for Machinima. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and they would all, like, go do their shifts together. They would stay there for each other's eight-hour shifts and then give me, like, the 4 a.m. to noon shift. And they would all they're come, all like, sleeping. yeah, they're all sleeping and I'd go do it by myself. And so then I got really sick and then I started, like, getting really angry with them. And they had yeah. some made-up story that they loved to tell where I was saying I was sick and I was, like, smoking a cigar by the pool, like, drinking a drink or something, which never happened. I had bronchitis and a sinus infection. I went to the doctor, you know? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was faking it or anything, right? And... That started this whole series of then just being like, I don't know. I felt like even though we were still playing well and even though we went on to win the tournament, there was still just kind of like an edge to it where it was like the pieces weren't fitting together anymore. We were kind of always at each other's necks. We were kind of like mm. they would make a comment and then I'd be like, you know, Krim was trying to play in this battlefield tournament. And I was like, Krim, go fly a fucking jet, dude. Like, get the fuck <laughs> off the game. You know, like, like, and so we just got chippy with each other. And I think that chippiness eventually boiled over when they realized they could find a replacement. And so then I think that's really the essence of what happened. It was like, I kind of started defending myself a little more. They weren't really taken too kindly to that. And, TP's left out of this equation completely. I fucking love TP. He he was he was completely neutral. Oh, he he's was on my side. There. He's <laughs> he like, all these guys are crazy, dude. He <laughs> yeah. does it now with us, so we get it, dude. It's the same way. We're doing it. some crazy shit. He's just like, oh, thanks for the five oh. gifted. All right, got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, buy UAV. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> same shit. Um, well, that like, I think I think what I want to kind of go through. I mean, we can't, we're not going to go year by year. We'll be here till fucking uh, June. But like that was sort of I don't know if I call that an unfortunate circumstance in the sense of like, you know, it, it was a vibe thing it was personality conflict, whatever. But like you and Krim, a Krim many consider like the goat because all of his wins, you and Krim are on that team at that time. And then it's like from that was like the first in a series of like unfortunate events where I feel like despite your like ability and size, you struggled to like find a home and granted that's rare but major sports you know like a tim duncan plays for the spurs his entire career uh there's no one like it's like seth is probably the only person that's like done that really is like in this home but you like were after seth when it comes to like popularity and probably like ability back then like you're in that conversation of you probably could have been like the staple somewhere in one should a bajillion been. yeah should have been in one like a bajillion tournaments but like it's just I kind of want to get into like all the shit that went down. So like, you get dropped for karma after a win. So that's the first thing. It's like, okay, sick. We won a tournament and then I get dropped. But then like, it becomes this whole, I get dropped and I have to find ways to rebuild and win for basically the next for fucking ever. So right after that is what that, that goes to the denial squad, right? 
after or gets the denial squad eventually yeah we get there eventually me and joey had a little stint together you know right. oh, before we were awful we were, we were so, so dumb bad. nameless <laughs> made me run a sub so he could run made ar Listen, let's not forget was, that like <laughs> yeah also dumb but like i i don't i don't really have i'm not gonna explain it too long pretty much we had a very successful coach here we're like formal wants to leave we're like screw it we'll just get another main ar and clay he was really good but we didn't play a boots on the ground game. I mean, right. I, I, I joke about it all the time. But Clay could fucking confirm. We were literally throwing smokes in private matches at AW. Like, we were so far to the opposite side of what game we were fucking playing that it didn't even matter. It, we were just lost. Like, we were just four boots on the ground players who played boots on the ground for six years. And now we're playing the most cracked out game ever. <laughs> It didn't work. We all sucked. It is what it is. It worked out for Clay again. That's all that matters. He won a ring. That's it. He had to rebuild. I sucked. Ant sucked. Cap was on the team too. He got to win a ring as well. Yeah, I think it was like, honestly, if you look at it, like you're talking about how a series of unfortunate events or just like not ever being the actual guy on an org mave. Like, I think... First of all, there's a common denominator and all of that, and it's me, right? And I think self-accountability is something that I've learned a lot over the last 10 years and something that I think has helped me grow and mature a lot in just not only how I play the game, how I approach the game, but how I communicate to my teammates and how I offer like criticism to my teammates, how I motivate them, when is the right time to tear them down. And I think I struggled with that a lot, like especially – during, after the Cole dynasty, because I was so sure of myself and so confident in my abilities that I was kind of just like, you need to listen to me. You know, like I was, I was very just aggressive with it and very cutthroat with it, where it's like, you either doing it my way or I'm just going to bitch at you, you know? And I think that I learned a lot about how to be a leader since then. And you look at all like, you know, the denial squad, right? Like it was a team of scraps, you know, nobody wanted to team with. And we put our heads down and we got to work. And I think that like chip on the shoulder type of dog mentality that has followed me throughout my entire career has been a very big motivating factor. I think like I'm not sure I would have seen the success that I've seen if I didn't put those chips on my shoulder, even when they're like made up. Like you hear about Jordan in the last dance, you you brought it up talking about how he just made up that some guy was talking shit about him just to feel like. (laughs) Yeah. You know, oh, I got a chip on my shoulder. Like, I have something against you. And, like, I do that. I've done that my entire career. Just, like, drum stuff up, made rivalries out of stuff that was pretty insignificant if I didn't, like, continue to bring it up, you know? And I think that you look at the success and the fit, like, the the not having a home as an org. Like, I've tried to find an org to call home my entire career. And it's just, like, constant revolving door. And you see little stints, like, it was on denial, and then, oh, we can go play for phase. Like, that's a no-brainer. We're going to go play for phase, right? We go on phase, we see some success, you know, all that stuff. And then it's like, okay, well, now I got traded to United. I tried to make it on United. I was there for years with the Twins. We were building something crazy. <laughs> One champs get dropped. Because they didn't make franchising. Well, that's so, well. I don't want to cut you off. You're going through yeah. like basically everything I talk about. Well, I'm going to separate these real quick because okay. I, feel yeah. like, I feel like I feel like United. All right, the denial thing was whatever that org ended up being make believe and whatever happened with that. <laughs> uh, but like, but like the unfortunate stuff. Like I know you said you're taking like a self reflection, but like it's United, just unlucky. United doesn't make franchising. Like okay, you like got fucked. Four five v five goes to four v four when Empire could have been something. Like you got fucked. But like I, I guess I view 
the the phase one was probably the one that like had a chance and like with with your success in aw had you guys managed to like continue that probably into black ops 3 like it may have really become something special but i think what joe and i were sort of wanting to know is like maybe what fell apart there because that's probably the situation where you maybe weren't fucked by like some weird circumstance like a united empire like the phase thing could have but like it's just you went from dominating to like black ops 3 honestly it's like that phase team was awesome like i love all of those guys to this day i talk to them at least you know once a month you know like i genuinely have good relationships with with all of the the teammates i had on phase and even a couple of of the owners and stuff like that of phase like i was playing a cs game literally like last night or the night before and tommy temper was playing too and he hit me up and we were about to game together and stuff and it's like i still maintain those connections over at phase with some of the guys who i do appreciate over there and we had so much success so early and coming off of the you know champs and then me and attach kind of the denial team we did okay afterwards we got like a second but then we were getting like a top six and then we went to x games got top six again and it's kind of like okay we need to go kind of like team with people that we want to team with yeah. and being able to team with the ta- zuma and enable was just like a dream come true at the time it just felt like fi- like we were finally putting together a team to contest the optic team that they had formed after we beat them at champs where they're like all right matt you know like we're bringing yeah. in somebody who could shoot and uh genuinely you had to just match firepower for firepower in aw you just had to be like Jeff everybody like, was like, like he just yeah you had to you had to be able to Top down, you had to outshoot them. Like you just had to be able to outshoot, and that is such like a old school like style of thought now. Like very rarely do you want to tell your teammates, "Hey, we just need more kills." In like today's COD, but back then, and AW was like, "Dude, you need. need more kills. Like we need you need to be able to kill that. If you can't keep up, you can't keep up." And so then we we, we rattled off a bunch of tournaments and went back to back in AW, and then BO3 hit and. It's, everybody lumps jetpacks together, but like AW was a lot different than Black Ops 3. Like a, lot, alone. a like, lot different. And even the speed of the game, the responsiveness of the mechanics and like wall running and the boost in BO3, how it compared to like the, the dash you had in yeah. AW. And it was just like hard for us to, to adapt. And I think like we were all good enough players, but I just think in Black Ops 3, we just weren't good enough. Like we are our, our structure, our foundation, like Zuma's trying to play at light speed and um, me, I'm just camping. Like it, it was very difficult for us to adapt to Black Ops 3 and we didn't do bad. Like we had like some respectable finishes, top sixes, top fours, I think. Just and, never got you know, the win, right? Yeah, yeah, we just never got the win. We were competing, yeah. but we just like weren't better than like four or five teams at every tournament. And so it was just kind of like whatever, hopefully the next game is going to be our deal. And this is something that we were experimenting with then during this time as well, like through Black Ops 3, is like we want to stick together and figure out our problems. Like we want to work through issues. It was a big we deal then. It was a big deal. And it was something yeah. that we were kind of like testing because everybody else was kind of making fun of us for it a little bit and be like, dude, you guys aren't winning. You need to make a roster change. And we were kind of like, we believe in each other. We believe in the process. We're all living in a house together pretty much. Like, hey, let's, mm-hmm. you know, let, let's come together and, and do this thing. And so then that's why we stuck it into IW as well. It's just like, hey, it's a new game. Maybe that game just wasn't for us. Maybe we can do something in IW. We start off kind of promising winning PSX, but there was like a bunch of the top teams not at that tournament. It was like a Tostinos of the oh, type of that. event. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was, 
we we tried. We got like a, a second place, I think, at uh, a tournament in uh, Paris. Paris, right? Yeah, That's when Paris, you threw the medal. Yeah. And when I, I, people said I threw a medal, I hit a guy in the head, cracked it open, he had to go to the hospital. Bro, I, I took it off and threw it in my chair. And people no, were you like, hit me right in the face. <laughs> right I'm just kidding. I wasn't even there. <laughs> was, that tournament was insanely frustrating and the replay and everything that happened back then, uh, especially because we hadn't won in so long. It was like kind of like, hey, we made a grand final again, and we kind of felt like we got screwed over a little bit. So it was gotcha. super frustrating. And I think uh, Jasper, who was a phase fitness guy at the time, still has my medal. Like, I didn't take it. He picked it up, and he took it. Like, he's like, do you want this? I was like, I don't want that. I don't want that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, I think he kept it still. He's just hanging know. on to it. And this, this, someone's like, yo, bro, is that yours? Did you compete back then? He's like, yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> you yeah. see the medal? <laughs> yo, I'm in phase for a reason, bro. Like, <laughs> And, uh, you know, then we... We progress through the season a little bit. We get to Anaheim in Black Ops 3 and hit, like, the biggest roadblock we had hit. Basically, Zuma had the ganglion cyst or whatever on his wrist. And so he started losing, like, mobility in his wrist or he started, it started hurting or something like that. And so he was having to get it drained and stuff like this, like a surgery done on it, but it wasn't, like, removed yet. And then the day before I flew – the day I flew out to the event, I got a root canal done. And was on like a lot of painkillers because it was like an impacted abscess root canal. It was a whole ordeal. My face was swollen. And so we go to this tournament where Zuma's got something going on with his wrist. I'm on a bunch of painkillers. So like if you've seen anybody on a on fucking painkillers, it's like you're not you're not well suited to play Call of Duty at a very high speed. <laughs> that's crazy because I had that the day before I flew to Ghost Champs. I had an abscess. I had to get a root canal. Literally. That's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. I was just like, ah, screw it. I got this antibiotics yeah. and uh, yeah. I don't know whatever else they put me on. Yeah. It's it, unreal. Uh, it wasn't fun. And uh, no. we got slammed. It was bad. Like, we, I remember we played Spacely one time and he's just, you look over, you just see all four of these kids and they're just screaming at you. Their eyes are fucking huge, screaming, spit flying everywhere. And I'm sitting there like, Holy smokes! Like I can't. <laughs> like I'm not even. I'm not prepped for this right now. Like I yes. cannot respond. And and we bombed out. And it was just like we we hit. We tried so hard, and we were trying to get back. And now we're in the middle of the season, and we're back here again. And even though all this stuff was going on, it was just kind of like we all we all talked about it. And it was probably the first time on any team I've been on where all four of the teammates talked to each other, and we're like, okay, we need to make a change. Somebody's getting dropped. And, like, it was, like, a very communal decision. Like, it was, like, everybody, like, talking to each other, trying to figure it out. And then we were supposed to be doing it all together and finding, like, the best fit and who would take a step back and stuff. But about a week into the whole roster mania, it became very man for themselves. <laughs> and very, very conniving. That old school. Old school. Oh, yeah. DMing you. Was there some sure. weird... There, like, I, I vaguely remember Joe and I were trying to talk about. It. I vaguely remember some sort of drama that involved you and Ian, but I don't remember like what went down. Like, did I make that up in my head, or was there like some sort of shit that went down? I mean, it was not really drama. It was more so just us being like pissy at each other. But like, we didn't. Okay. There was there wasn't like crazy drama, but it was like feelings of animosity a little bit because yeah, yeah. at the start. And this phase had this guy named Seb. And if you read this, there was a report I just read about phase recently. He basically was like an investor guy that kind of took over operations in a way. And he's not involved with the company or anything anymore, but like he was very hands-on and he was this Norwegian guy who was very like 
very i'm trying to think of the right word just like front of mind present like he was just constantly trying to get like anything out of you just like we would lose a match and before i would wrap my controller up he's calling my phone and i had to answer it or i'd get fined you know what i'm saying like very just like very on the ball like hey what the hell happened like how did you guys lose and so this guy who's the guy we were dealing with this whole time and we had finally figured it out. We were trading Attach for Gunless, and the team was going to be me, Gunless, Enable, and Zuma. And that was going to be the phase team for the last couple of events. And then <laughs> I went out for the night, came home the next <laughs> day, <laughs> woke up hungover to him spam calling me, Seb. And I pick it up, and he goes, hey, you're getting dropped off the team. Like, we're trading you for Gunless. Attach is staying on the team, yada, yada. And I was just like, bro, like... <laughs> I was like, honestly, I'm so tired of this. Like, I had been on the phone with this guy so much. I was so tired of dealing with him. I was like, dude, you know what? Good luck. Go fuck yourself. And I hung up the phone. And, <laughs> dude, I, I think that pissed him off a lot because then, like, shit started going crazy. They were like, you got to be out of the phase, the house in the next month, yada, yada. It was like this whole whirlwind of people freaking out and yada, yada. But it was like... Honestly, I just saw it as another chip on my shoulder. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to United, and I'm going to try my best to, to turn these guys into winners. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sets me up for the next, you know, two and a half years or so. Like, we didn't do too bad at the end of IW either. Like, when I joined mm-hmm. United, Like, we actually had some decent placings at Season 3 and then at Champs. Like, I think if we don't choke to Envy, we have a good chance of, like, winning champs in IW. And a lot of people don't even give us credit for that because they just remember the <laughs> literal worst the choke in champs yeah. history. And like like that uplink bring it up, but that that envy uplink at champs in IW. I didn't watch it for like 3 years. I never like everyone's talking about oh there was a listen in the whole time like oh it was great. I didn't even watch it back after the tournament cuz when you lose at champs you're out. Like, who cares about the game that we just played? Like, there's no VOD to watch to get better for next year, you know? So I didn't watch it for, like, three years. I watched it, like, three years later. It hurt just as bad and made me so upset, and I, like, turned it off and I haven't watched it since. Like, it still is, like, a dagger to the heart. Like, you, it you is. You get capped back, though, right, in Black Ops 4? That yes. EG, that hardpoint, yes. that Arsenal hardpoint? Yeah. I had to get him a... back a little bit. Yeah, you got him back, though. Yeah, so... It all, it all worked out. It all worked out with the United. Yeah, you guys win champs in Black Ops 4. You pick up the the duo. Um, and then uh, the more bad luck kind of happens. <laughs> Two and a half years, like you said. Franchising hits. You're like, okay, now what? Yeah, go to Empire. You win another ring online with Empire. And then it goes to 4v4. And you're like... Is this gonna oh. happen again? Like, and it and it does. Like, what? Like, did you kind of know right away, or was there? Because there were some discussions, right? Because there was. It, I mean, you and Krim. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it, it's so tough, dude. Like, to win a champs, it, a, the last land, like CWL land champs, Bo4 champs, to win that, like the classic style of champs, we group play through a whole bracket and have the run we did with that EG comeback and yada yada. We put together the, a team to last. Like we put mm-hmm. together a team that could potentially start doing stuff. We just went back to back at the two biggest tournaments of the year. We and if you think about how good all of those players were at Modern Warfare. Like, we would have been disgusting if we got into franchising, like our United team. We would have been very, very, very good. And Mm -hmm. I really was just, like, devastated over it. United kind of strung us along forever. 
And we, they eventually said they didn't get in, but I found a good team. I was like, oh, my gosh, like Empire wants me, like Illy and Shotzi and Hook. Like they want me. I know Shotzi's like an unknown. And then we get Krim on board, and we're like, hell, yeah, let's do this. We win three tournaments that year. The fourth one we win was Champs Online. Feeling great. Oh, we're going back to 4v4. And I was just like, dude, like I just did this again, and now I got, it's going to like – it is so demoralizing. Like it like to build the United team over two and a half years with Burns, with the twins, getting yeah. that fully tinkered and, and simp and abizi and Faceno and winning champs. And then having to do it again on Empire and getting Shotzi and Ilya and Hook and Krim and me and Rambo and doing it again. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I was so I was I cried so hard after the Empire dropping, more than I've cried over anything because it was just Damn. felt like I had tried so hard, and it was like the next day they pretty much told me after, like, we won champs, and then the next day we're like, oh, yeah, like, you're probably the one to go. But we can discuss it. And so then it became like a thing of like me trying to convince people, and I'm just not that person. Like, if people don't want to play with me and people don't choose me, then like, I don't really want to play with them. Like, I don't really want to be there. If, they, if the team wants to play with Krim, I get it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, but. But I'm such a good leader, you know, like I'm not going to do it. If they don't see the value in me after a year of winning together, then I don't need to like stress myself out about it. But it was just like, you know, I talked to Stro and they, they, they threw it around. He asked me to be like a fifth man and like sub in and stuff like that going into the, the next year. And they mm. were considering keeping You're me right on now. like, and I was like, dude, like if this is what you guys want, like I, I, I'll think about it, you know, but it was just one of those things where I really wanted to stay on the team. And then stuff kind of started shifting. And then eventually it was kind of like, oh, no, we're doing this. Like, you're the one gone. We can't get rid of, of Zio. And it's either mm -hmm. you or Krim. And Krim, I guess, just did enough to keep his spot on the team. Like, he, I mean, Mike, like Hastro said to me, he goes, I made the mistake of letting Krim go once. I'm not going to do it again. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, and, so, and so, you know, I was like, that, that was you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, in the yeah. AW, at yeah, the, 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 Yost, in the AW, yeah, it was supposed to be like us. And yeah, and so, he was like, oh, it's we're good. Yes. Like, All right. It was just like, I get it, I guess. Like, he is the GOAT. Like, you know, if it was anyone else, I would be a lot more upset. But it being Porter, especially at the time, about how I felt about him and how we just won champs together and kind of we rekindled our, our relationship a lot more into, like, a, a good a good spot in that Empire team. Because we were at odds after Complexity for a bit. And so then on the Empire team, we kind of got a lot closer. And so, you know, I was like, whatever. Yeah, it sucks. But I'm going to try to do something again. I mean, Zuma hit me up. Uh, our team going into Cold War was supposed to be me, Zuma, Mac, and Pharaoh, and that was supposed to be the the four of us that were playing on the team together. And then obviously, you know, uh, rest in peace to my boy Pharaoh and what happened with him and all that stuff. And then Zuma had to quit competing, and then I'm picking up kids from that don't speak English, and I'm teaming with people who I've never heard of before. And like, kind of like, I think it's kinda, crazy. It kind of goes off the walls a little bit because it was just like. There's so many moving parts. Like, it just, so much stuff happened at the beginning of Cold War, like leading into Cold War and at the beginning of Cold War to just make that New York team such an, like, a question mark. And we still got a third. We still got a second. We still got top six at champs, beat Formal at his last event in COD. I love that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just one of those things. Like, we, I still made the best of it, I feel like. Like, given the circumstances... Yeah. Like Paco did not oh. speak English. He didn't. Well, I think I think what 
I said this to Joe, like even the broadcast team sort of felt like every time you got knocked down, you got back up and somehow won champs or, you know, won one events and like got back to like where you were. We were like all kind of just like half expecting that with the New York team, even though like it didn't have maybe some of the talent of the other teams you did it with. When you look back to the now, you look back um, to what you did with FaZe and uh, then with Empire, like maybe, maybe a bit different, but like we still were like somehow, I mean, he could bring his uh, three toddlers and he's going to win champs. Like we still like had this belief, but then this was the first time, like I, like you say you did the best you could with the situation and I agree, but it was the first time like, you didn't just like win champs. Like you just kept fucking doing that somehow. So like this mm-hmm. then, like, you know, Cold War, you know, you mentioned you got like a, what, a second major three, top six of champs, but then like you go into Vanguard, I think it was like top 12 with the first major. And this was the first time that like, I guess you sort of didn't maybe get fucked over in some weird ass way. Like it happened. The team just like didn't work out. And Clay apparently isn't God. It was some magic that's going, that's going to win champs. And then this is what I thought like, I, I mean, this had to be the hardest time. I know you said after Empire, like it was the hardest you cried and stuff, but like the, the year where I guess I want to hear about like the pit, like you have to get back into challengers. When you're going through that, like the stuff's done with NYSL, is that like the closest you've been to retiring? Were you thinking about retiring? Like how fucked were you mentally? Like when you were like, I have to go fucking play in challengers. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting experience. I'll say that. I think. It was it was tough for me at the end of Cold War because this is right in the right in the thick of COVID and being quarantined and not being able to see my friends or family or do anything that I normally do to like escape yeah yeah to to escape or get away from it. Um, I took a break for one event at the end of Cold War and then they asked me to come back and play at Champs and play for the last bit of the year and I was feeling like I took a, probably like three weeks off, which is the first time I've done that in the middle of a season ever, and since like I started playing and really thought about what I wanted to do and then they asked me to play again I was like I'm dedicating myself to it I want to keep playing and so then I played at champs get the vanguard squad my big mistake was picking up porter again uh you know <laughs> fool me once you know fool me twice fool me three times you know yeah. like, I did get uh dropped by porter three times so that's hilarious um Twice Circle after. back to that whole like yeah. it, you'd be right there in the go conversation with him and worth the unfortunate sequences, but now we find out that the porter's been sabotaging the, the whole fuck time. out of you this entire time. The whole time. The whole well, time. like you are just so different because, like you said, you're kind of like the more chill back. If they want to play with me, I'll play with them. Where like Porter is the guy like that makes uh, like roster mania stressful as hell because he's the guy that was there or... forty eight oh, hours in a God, row bro. on phone calls yeah. with everyone. Like, yo, I'll join the TS. Join Dude. the TS. Like he's the one, like, bro. I'm telling you, like, if we play together, like, I'm telling you, dude, like, we're gonna fucking not. Like, that's just him. Like, that's how that he is, is making sure. Is like, he is always like on a Discord or a team speak. Like, he will make sure he's got his spot, and he will. He knows who to convince. He like yeah, that's he that's knows what he's good who, at. He he knows who he needs to convince. That's what he was always good at always he always had his spot and it's funny you say that because i genuinely think the reason that i got i got benched off the subliners team is because he convinced the right people that he was the right choice and you know they did learn that seeing, from pat i think yeah he did he a hundred percent learned that pat from was pat. the same like, way to a t to a t yep. and uh you know it was so i get benched after the first one we we saw some success at the kickoff in vanguard and then we just absolutely got smoked we tried the royalty experiment we tried like two mm-hmm. two series and stage two and then i got benched and i was sitting there 
And I have been negotiating my own contracts forever. I don't have an agent that handles my COD stuff. I have an agent that handles like commercial, like brand deal stuff, but just not any of my COD contract negotiations. And so my contract, because of these series of unfortunate events, I have made sure that I had protections for myself inside the contracts that I negotiated from like E United onwards, where I guaranteed that I was like the, the amount I was signing for, I would get paid regardless if I got traded or dropped or whatever. Like I made sure my contracts were basically guaranteed. And so when I get put on the bench in New York, I'm still getting paid every day. And I was kind of like, that you know, helps. yeah, it helps a lot to just have that income there. And I'm like, well, now I have nothing to do. And then I'm like, okay, I could stream or like I could do whatever. But then I'm like, but what do I actually want to accomplish? Like I want to get back in the league. Like I want to get back on New York. Like I'm still under contract with them. They're not releasing me because they have to pay me out regardless. So they might as well keep me on the roster in case something happens. And I had to go to every event. And I'm like, well, if I'm getting, if I have to go to every event anyways, like New York was making me because I was a sub, then I'm like, You're I might sub, as well. Right? That's like a league requirement, right? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. of COVID and stuff. And so. I was like, if I'm doing this anyways, I might as well compete in challengers. And then maybe like I talked to a bunch of people and they're like, dude, it can only hurt you. Like, don't go do that. Like, it can only hurt your stock. Like, everybody knows who you are, what you bring to the table. Like, don't go play in challengers because unless you win everything, people are going to have something to say about it, you know? And I was like, dude, I don't even really care. Like, if people do, <laughs> people do know who I am. Like, people know what I'm about. Like, I want to go down here because I love playing and competing and I'm going to beat these events anyways. So let me go compete. Were you a little scared, though, that, like, I guess I kind of view, when you're as late in your career as you were at this time, for most players, like, challengers at that point, sort of like the retirement community, the graveyard, whatever you want to call it, like, you go there and don't come back, usually. Like, were you sort of worried, like, once I make that step, like, this is it? Because I don't think there's pros that have been there for, like, that far in their career that have gone there and come back. I mean, it's happened with players newer, or, like, maybe middle, but you were, like, deep. In your yeah. career at that point. I think that uh, something I've always done and throughout the history of my COD career is bet on myself. And, and that's something that I take to heart like in my everyday life. Like if, if there's something that needs to be done or something that um, a challenge to overcome, I bet on myself like 100 times out of 100. Just the, the level of like perseverance that I think I have. Like, yeah, there was a risk. Yeah, I definitely was a little like nervous and anxious. Like... You know, dude, I did. I lost to Doug twice in challenges. Like, you know, like I'm be, I'll be it honest. Like, that's not yeah. the best look. But, dude, it was like what else I did down there was I connected with a large amount of the amateur scene. I got to mm -hmm. know so many players down there. Our top six finish here this last event with Two Real, like I only was because I played challengers with him last year. Like, I'm not picking that kid up if I didn't know him and didn't play with him last year. Like, and know what he's about and his mentality and just how he sees the game and I, the potential in him. So, like, yeah, I was, I was afraid and, like, I was definitely a little nervous, but I was sure of myself that, like, I can compete. Like, I can show up. I'm not going to play so bad that I won't get back in the league. Like, I'm going to go out there and do my thing. And then that first event that we played, I think Toronto uh, Open, it, especially after playing so many years of the CDL and having CDL-style tournaments, going and playing one of the old-style tournaments fired me up. 
Like it, 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 you're just yelling it, dude, and Clay it, was back. It was so fun. <laughs> I had my hood up. I was chilling and just getting so hype after matches with like Spart and Fellow. And we were just having a blast, like playing like match after match. Like we got knocked into losers and lo- and winners round two or three by Doug in a best of three. Like, of course, like in my first <laughs> open tournament, I lose a best of three to Doug. Gotta yeah, make it oh, crazy. Here we go. Yeah, dude. And we played back to back to back to back for like eight matches in a row, and I got to send eight different teams home and you know wave be like enjoy the flight home like to eight different teams and just that that just like fire and competitive environment and just like that the the aura of that i don't know it like reinvigorated my love for the game and like i found like my answer for why i wanted to do it why i'm even still competing this year why i'm still doing this is because like i love that like that just that feeling of beating a team and just standing up and looking at them and just like seeing like as like sadistic as it sounds like the sadness in their face you know what i'm saying where it's just like <laughs> just like pure misery and you're just spitting and yelling at them like that feeling is unparalleled and nothing comes close to it and i think that toronto open event was what really made me find my love for the game again so let me get this straight um i was talking to joe about me thinking you were probably going through it during this time and wanting to retire but instead you were on a paid vacation where you were scouting for your next big run while eating the tears of your victims to become more powerful. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, we did talk about it too, though. It was different. Like, uh, you, Perfect. it's not like, I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, your vets or whatever that sort of get back into the pit, they have a lot of disappointing results. Like, you had one in Vanguard. Like, and everybody kind of knew, like, this team just doesn't work. Like, that was literally yeah. the talk of the town. It's not like, you were getting shit on and getting shit on and getting shit on and then going to challengers. So I, I think in a way like that kind of helped, like there have been some players who just got smoked out of the league. Probably maybe they won't be back. Like that's just different than sort of his situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like also just like, I wasn't all ponies and rainbows. Like I wasn't just completely enjoying, like I wanted to be in the league. Like, you know, I was like yeah. trying out for New York. We were and... than I fucking expected. Like, it's, yeah. It was coming to blast. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it was it was fun just because like there was no pressure like really like after that first event like we didn't really win anything like I the only thing we actually like, we won some cups and we qualified for some elites and we we won the last chance qualifier for champs and it was like me fellow Prestini and I can't even remember who, who the fourth like it was somebody and uh. <laughs> I could look. I'll find it for you. No, yeah, dude. It, I. That's another thing. It, you have six different teams, eh? Like yeah, five yeah. Or six uh, Venom. Venom. Los. Yeah, I should have remembered that. Um, yep. and I had twelve or thirteen, fourteen different teammates <laughs> in three months, and I had that in the last three years before that. So it yeah. was a very different experience. Even when you're going to play on LAN on these challengers events, you're still online. You're just in, next to each other, so it's not even like. Everyone's still online. So all the onliners are still online. Like, you know, we mm. need the Lanimals to show right up on land, which is what I'm there. about. You know, I need that land to dominate these kids, but we're still on 80 ping. And so it's a very different experience in Challengers and not something that I would have committed to for longer than the half a season that I did. Like, if I didn't get on another a team this year, I would not have played Challengers this year. Like, it was something, it was like a stopgap. I was getting paid while I was doing it. I was having fun with one of my best friends, Tyler Fellow. We were playing these old school tournaments. So while I was still pining to be on a team and, like, was trying to get back into the league and trying to get back on a team, it wasn't the worst. Like, it, it truly wasn't. Yeah. 
Uh, well, it worked out, right? Because uh, then you get to, to Legion. We're at the next stop. The next stop of the Clayster <laughs> ride. We're at uh, Las Vegas Legion. No longer Parish Legion coming in this year. Um, I guess sort of end of the year uh, of Vanguard going into this season. Uh, was this, you know, how, you know, how did this go about getting on, on the Legion squad? Um, I mean, it was, it was the last spot left, man. Like as as weird as that sounds. Was there any like, any 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 other spots? Yeah, I mean, like there were at the start, and I was in talks with probably I would say six of the twelve league teams, a rough number, okay. um, all varying levels of compensation, all varying levels of requirements, like having to live in their specific city or not. Um, there was probably about you know five or six that I was talking to that I could have went and played for. And after all the stuff that happened with me in my personal life, um, I basically just kind of like didn't interact or entertain or wasn't really texting anybody or communicating with anybody during the off season. And so all the spots got filled. And so then when I gotcha. came out of it onto the other side, basically, um, there was just no teams left. Like all the spots had been filled, all the rosters had been figured out, and the only spot left was a legion. And I took, it was a massive, massive, massive pay cut, uh, mm -hmm. but it's also, I think, some of the most money that Legion has ever spent on their COD roster. And so, um, you know, it was a massive lifestyle change for me, making less than a third of what I'd made since United, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. But I had to make the decision, you know, I want to compete. I want to still play. Uh, I think the first major and this third major have shown that... Um, you know, I still love what I do and love the guys that I'm playing with, even though it's a bit like uh, the old days sometimes, you know, all being at home, not in a facility, uh, still kind of we have that little back and forth banter a lot more than some of my other teams recently, just because we're all very strong personalities on this Legion team. So, yeah, I bet. we um, <laughs> we, we uh, we formed the team and it wasn't really figured out yet. I hit up Donnie in theory. It was just them two to begin with. We started theory crafting. Okay, what subs do we want? Here's a short list. Let's go out there and get who we want. And uh, I really wanted Pro Loot at the time. I thought Pro Loot um, had a lot to bring to the table, just his, his mentality and his intelligence for the game. And we kind of then asked him, who do you want to play with? Like, who do you think is a good sub duo for you to play with? And TJ Haley, obviously being a veteran, veteran player, but... He played flex last year on Boston. Like he ran an True. AR half the time. And so then that was yeah. kind of a question mark. It's like, oh, we kind of have three ARs a little bit. And then Byron Prolude also played AR a little bit on Optic. So it's like, wait, do we have four ARs on the team? Like, but they're both actual subs. They wanted to run sub. They just happened to run a little bit of flex and, and Vanguard. Just because you kind of needed that sometimes. Like the that auto flex role a lot of the time in Vanguard. And so we put together the team. And I mean, honestly, I think we performed better than people expected us to especially at the first major yeah 100 i i think so so yeah i mean we we're just yeah. curious how you guys got onto that squad but yeah you talked about uh your personalities i, I assume it's probably <laughs> you and donnie i just want to know dude because like you guys I, I i gotta know how that dynamic is i assume it could be very day-to-day -day because you two both have yeah strong personalities yeah, I think day-to-day -day is probably the best way to describe it. Um, okay, maybe even map-to-map. Uh, map. <laughs> literally. Li you might know us a little too well there, Joey. Uh, it's, um, we're, we're both very emotional people, I think is, is a good way to put it. And I think that we are both very passionate about what we do. And uh, 
both are also very stubborn and believing that we are correct a lot of the time. So um, I think honestly, me and Don have gotten to a part, a point where like, we know if somebody, if him or like, if we are talking to each other and he says something to me, I know now that like, he actually sees something I don't and I'll listen to what he says. And I think he's finally right. come around to where like, he lists, like if I like, I don't speak a ton. I don't just speak to speak or like, like if we're talking about a play and there's kind of a debate about what's the right, like, like what's the correct play like to do for Donnie. If I don't know, I don't just say something. Like, I'm not just like, oh, just go do this, and this is how it works. If I'm looking at it like, damn, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, <laughs> like I just don't say anything. So when I do speak, he knows there's weight behind it, that I've thought about it, that there's some logic behind it. And I feel like we're on mutual ground now to where, although it might sound like we're, sh like, like, like we're kind of being very chippy towards each other sometimes, it comes from a place of just like, Hey passion. man, like yeah, passion. I don't know, yeah. however you want to put it, but uh, I our scrims are very interesting. Our comms are hilarious a lot of the time. I mean, if you uh, watched our latest comeback video, you heard me tell him to shut up in the middle of a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's hilarious our dynamic, and it's something that uh, honestly I can't wait to see where it takes us. I think we got a good chance the rest of the year. Well, we kind of expected that would happen. It's uh, that's 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 amazing to hear. But I want to know, like, listen, after everything you've gone through, I'm sure just getting on the team, a lot of this was uh, ind individual in the sense of like, here we go again, time to show what I can do. But I just want to know, like, with how I guess embarrassing, you know, Legion had been as a franchise, and you know, you'd kind of hopped all over the place with regards to where your home was. Was there a little bit of I guess since I'm watching The Last Dance, I think of when Jordan, I, I, listen, I'm not calling you Jordan, shut the fuck up. But when Jordan like joined the Bulls, he was sort of like, I'm gonna, I wanna, I wanna help put this city on the map for basketball. Like, was there a little bit of just sort of, I guess, pride for you, like with how much they've struggled? Like, I'm gonna be the face of this franchise and turn this shit around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that, that, that's, that was a selling point for me. I mean, it, let me, let me flex my muscles a little bit, see what I can do. Like, not only competitive wise, but brand wise. I mean, you see how many people were in Legion merch? You hear the crowd cheering for us against LA Thieves, who is one of the bigger organizations in COD. I mean, dude, it, it's... Outside it's, of Seth, it's you when it comes to like, brand. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I obviously have taken a huge step back in my content creation game and my brand game, so to still see that I have the support just for being like the OG and people like have watched at least some of my content or appreciate my game or my energy or whatever it is. Like, even at, after this last major, I, had, I was hanging out at the Optic Party, uh... And I had some people who I'd never spoken to come up and they're like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, you know, I work in the business side of things, but like, I love your energy on stage like that. That made me feel like awesome when you guys were like up there screaming and stuff. And it's like that kind of just re like reinforcement that pe there are people out there that enjoy what I do and that enjoy what I put together and that believe in, in things and like to root for the underdog and. And I mean, even looking at the roster we're putting together now, like Vegas, we've now made two roster changes and we're putting together a squad that's starting to kind of, you know, look hey. for, like, you know what I'm saying? And there's some noise to be made. And that's something that I definitely looked at and it's something I talked to the owner about, Drew. And uh, it's something now like this, the COO of uh, the chief operating officer, Mario, he comes to the events and like he apparently had never been to an event before this year. And so I'm starting to get them to believe in it a little bit. And the org is starting to like, you know, invest a little more money and, you know, kind of like everybody, not only me, but my teammates, the coaching staff, the ownership of the team, the fans of the team 
are starting to believe. And I think that's something that I was looking forward to, to hopefully accomplishing on this team. And I think we are in the midst of doing that. You know, we're right on the, the champ's cusp. And I think that's like the first major step we can take uh, as an organization is to get them that qualification for champs. I wasn't sold right away. You know, I, I I've seen too many of fucking Clay's redemption stories at this point. It's like fuck, fuck you, Clay. Like you're gonna gonna get it done one way or another. But like the emotional interview, you know, at at major one where you were on stage and you were you were dude, you were crying or about to fucking cry, whatever. You were close. Um, that I watched that. I was like, this motherfucker reeled me in again. He reeled me in again. I give a shit again. You piece of shit. <laughs> You just tell how much you love it, man. It just uh that was it was so good. Yeah, this uh this major one win, it's such a weird thing. I was actually talking to my brother about this recently. Um we beat Minnesota Rocker for top six. Now we didn't win the fuck tournament. We didn't even get second. It's not even some crazy thing we accomplished. We got top six at the first tournament of the year. And I was almost about to cry. I had to get off that stage and end it really quick because I was 100% about to start crying. And when I start I crying, it, bro. I can't talk. Like, I get very choked up, and it would have been a mess up there. And I was just like, I got to get off of here. And I literally, like, went after this interview. I went and sat in the parking garage, and I chain-smoked a bunch of cigarettes. And I called my mom and sat on the phone with my mom, like, crying to my mom for, like, 30 oh, minutes. Man. And it was like just like a, an almost meaningless tournament match that meant so much to me after the year that I'd had prior. And I think like just that, you know, weight of, of something as small as winning a, a game five round 11 in front of a crowd that's supporting you. Um, there's something special about it. And there's something that, that, that brings something out of me and, and that like rarely comes out in other places. And so I just think that it's such a special thing. Like, I want to keep doing that as long as I can. Like, you know, I'll keep chasing that dragon for as long as I live, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Uh, so you guys get top six in major one. You've had some ups and downs. Now you talked about roster changes. One thing I'm actually interested is Naga. Naga. Is he a part of this squad now? Uh, Naga Finn? Yes. Naga Finn is helping. He's been helping us coach since we uh, dropped Byron for two real so so okay. jared's jared's been around now for i don't know what is it a month and a half month and a, some, something like that and yeah, uh, i was just curious about him but what you know what aspect he brings in nagafin i think is one of the more underrated like cod players for, you know in a long time he looks at the game differently i feel like he always had so i, I think it probably helps theory a lot but i mean he's stage a nerd three, major, yeah. major three went went well for you he had success in challengers so just the addition yeah. of him to the to the team I played he World is, of Warcraft with him. He's a, he's a he's geek. A dork, dude. He's, <laughs> he, he's yoked now, though. He is built now. I he's saw, been hitting I the gym heavy. He's got he's got some some muscle on him. He went from like fragile, frail Naga to now he's Jared. You know, like he's Jared now. Coach Jared. Coach Jared. Coach Jared. Coach Jared. And honestly, he's brought a lot to the team. He's actually on a like kind of trial basis right now. I don't think he's actually under Legion like. Like okay. getting paid by Legion right now, but we all cut him in on the prize money. Like I think we're all giving him 500 bucks out of the 2K we made or something like that. And honestly, just like making sure we cut him off for his time because we kind of I approached him like, hey man, we don't have anything in the budget for you, uh, but like I would love to have you sit in our scrims every day and see what you can bring to the team. If we decide you're a good fit, we'll figure out a way to pay for your flights and your hotel and get you to these events, and you can like help coach us. And yeah. also, it's kind of like for him, there's only 12 head coaching spots. So yep. for him to get his foot in the door a little bit and start proving his worth, he might have a, like a full salaried position in the future. 
And it was completely voluntary by him too. You know, I was like, dude, I know this sucks. Like, I wish I would like could pay you money. I wish I was getting paid what I was getting paid on subliners because then I could actually pay you. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. with the pay cut I took here, like I don't have just like out of pocket money to hand you, and it would have to be something like you want to do. You know? And he was like, dude, I want it. Like I want to like get my. Like, I want to actually come help you guys. I think this is a good story. I like you. Awesome. I like Don. I like Theory. Like, I can help more you guys. And he's helped so much. And it's something that I've talked about um, a little bit on some other other podcasts and stuff or other uh, interviews where basically like getting the Legion to believe in that we can win. And I think with Donnie and Theory having dealt with the year that they dealt with last year and even the year before, they had like a losing mentality, you know, where their sure. mentality was just so battered and bruised and broken down that they just like had the, the taste all over of just losing, you know, yeah. and, and exactly like that, that, that's what I'm trying to get them to do. And I think like Jared helped a lot with that because sometimes theory, our head coach would just get very like. You could tell almost like almost down on himself, down on the team a little bit and start like not believing in that what what he's doing is correct. And then Jared kind of comes in with a more analytical, logical like, hey, this needs to be done because you keep dying here. Go here and do this instead of trying to like fix broken teams and whatnot. Jared's much more analytical while while theory is much more like broad stroke, like philosophy, like philosophy type stuff. And so I think it's a really good balance between them two. Not only because of what they bring to the table, but just because of kind of like the contrasting personalities that they have. It works very well in like a, a good cop, bad cop kind of way. Not well, necessarily say that McGee's yelling at us or anything, but he does yell sometimes. There's a reason that I think every professional sport has multiple coaches for different things. I mean, that that's yep. just part of it. Um, not that you know, it's like the NFL and you've got <laughs> who knows how many coaches are on NFL team for like every player position, it feels like. But yeah, I'm sure it's just a lot to cover for one person. And I love Naga. So that's, that's cool to hear. Hopefully it leads to something maybe with you guys performing well and he sees his value. He gets Legion's able to pay him or maybe he finds a gig somewhere else. But uh, I don't know. I've always been a, I've always been a, fat, a fan of Naga. Good dude. Yeah, I like him a lot, too. Shout out, Jared. Uh, so what? Now you guys bring in uh, Standy for Pro Loot. I yep. think everyone's pretty excited about this, right? You What you kind of said, it feels like, you know, Standy... Uh, with the ultra team, just kind of, it just felt like the, the chemistry didn't work similar to maybe like your New York team. They were still, you know, top four, top six. Um, but you bring in a, a I think a, a very sort of a slang sub. I think you guys were missing that a bit with the last couple of duos. I think you saw moments from two real moments from TJ moments from pro loop, but like that slang consistent sub, which every other team has, right. It just felt you were missing that. And Standy has been that before. Um, you know, if you look like when he debuted on Rocker, like he was their star. And I think he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder where he wants to get back to the community talking to him like that. Like, I, I want to be that guy. So, uh, you know, just talk about, you know, bringing Standy on. Yeah, I think um, obviously Too Real brought a lot to our team and helped us get right in a lot of... Uh like kind of just rotational intelligence like styles to the game and we honestly didn't really even plan on on changing uh we were going to keep rocking with with two real um legion only has so much budget that they allocate every year and there was only i think they budget for two roster changes a year because they have to pay out severance for the the two players that they end up dropping and so they only budget a certain amount so we can only maximum change twice a year so like if we were to change okay. brendan it, we had to be sure for the rest of the year, like what the 
what the team was going to be. And we're going through all these options, and Legion was willing to pay a little bit of money for a buyout, but nothing uh, anywhere close to what it would take to get some of the top-tier challenger players that are under some of these contracts with, like, you know, other other uh, CDL franchises. And so we had to look for somebody that was unrestricted, pretty much. And so that's why Too Real, to begin with, was interesting to us because he was an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he wasn't signed to a CDL contract anywhere or an academy team or anything like that. I think his buyout was $1,000, which I think he paid for. And uh, honestly, we, um, <laughs> we were like, you know, we, we had a list of players and, you know, we eventually got that was our team. And then we were trying to get Standy, apparently. And, they, you know, this was before all the stuff happened with Toronto, before they even won the major, before we even had two real and stuff. And they were like, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden we just like see he's an unrestricted free agent and that Sweet. Toronto just released him. And we were like. Well, like, I don't know, like, now we're kind of in a weird spot. Like, now we have to make mm -hmm. a decision. Um, mm -hmm. And honestly, it, it was just a matter of, like you were saying, that slaying sub, like somebody who can come in and compete uh, against the, the top subs in the world, you know, the phase subs, the Boston subs, the optic subs, like the people who are going to be running and frying, like you got to be able to, to stay on your ground and shoot back. And, and not to say that Brendan wasn't because he definitely had his moments, and especially in a lot of the series this past you get stage. It. You get it. Yeah. It, it, it's not the, to down talk him at all, but it, it, it felt in a way that this is the, the path that gave us the best chance going forward. And we talked about it a lot, and it was eventually just one of those things where it's like, all right, man, like, hey, if this is our best path to, like, to win this year right now, let's do it. You know? Like, I mean, um, you know, let's do it. I think kind of what you said, is, you know, Obviously, COD in, in this eSport and every eSport, you get very in-depth and move here, move there, move there. But sometimes even, you know, as back when I played, you had to take a step back, kind of like what you said in AW. It's like, you just sometimes have to find more kills. And I know that's not always the answer, and it's not the answer that people want, but we are playing an FPS. You're playing COD. And a lot of, like, those movements in the analytical side comes a lot easier when lanes are opening up and a couple of more kills are found. Yeah. Well, and I it's think like, that's it's not what Ultra needed, but it is what you need. I mean, exactly. they had a Kleenex. They needed somebody like Hixie. You needed more firepower. Like, I, it, yeah. I think it seems like a good, I get it. I get it. But I mean, yeah. See? And it's, it's even interesting, like you were saying, Joe, is that like when those kills are found, the game is a lot easier, so you're going to break a lot more because you're getting more kills, so you're going to hold a lot more. And we even dealt with this in scrims yesterday. Uh, Theory was like, yo, y'all's comms have fallen off. And it's like, dude, the kill feed is all the other team for the last 10 <laughs> kills. Like, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say, dude. We all just died. Like, you, yeah. it's like you're only saying red dots. And I'm like, because we all died, there's nothing else <laughs> to say, you know? And yeah. it genuinely does come down to... Like, who can kill the other people more? Like, genuinely, in those situations, you need to pop a two-piece. Can you get that two-piece? In a situation where you need to win your 1v1, can you win your 1v1? And what has yeah. the most consist, like, what has the highest percentage of that, you know? And that's literally where we saw this roster move, and we're just like, honestly, it's not like we have a lot to lose. We're in ninth place. We're trying to qualify for champs. Let's just shoot for the stars, you know? Let's, let's go for what gives us the best chance. See how it turns uh, out. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm looking forward to it. Um, before we get into sort of your upcoming schedule, and we have some community questions as well. Uh, there is one consistency for the Legion this year. Uh, you guys are five and nineteen on the year in control. You lost the last seven in a row. So I, I mean, I'm just curious. You know, what's going on from like your point of view? You've played all three maps. Might be a different map coming in. Uh, I mean, 
potentially if the game gets fixed, but you know, sort of what's, what's going on in control this year from like your point of view. It just feels so hard sometimes. Like, <laughs> I don't like, I don't know what it is, dude. We've, we've, we've thought of everything. Like, obviously yeah. we are aware of what's going on, right? Like we play control every day in scrims and it is, we are actually, it's crazy. We're like a 45% win rate in scrims. So it's like pretty good, you know, like not terrible. Like, you know, it's, it's below average, but you know, at least we're winning about one in every two. And then we get in matches and it's just like the pressure is just like on us and they're in like spawn killing us and we can't get out. And then we're just like, Oh, okay. Well we lose, (laughs) you know, like, and it it felt a lot like, like every mode on your comms when you guys die, (laughs) (laughs) every mode is kill dependent, but control is literally kill dependent. Like you have 30 lives, right? Mm -hmm. I just, uh, like we're just, not getting enough kill. <laughs> it's like, I don't yeah, I, no, yeah, yeah. Like, It genuinely feels like my issue with our control gameplay is mm. that we don't do what other teams do to us. So like my number one learning experience in COD is taking shit from other teams. Like if New York spawn traps us in a way, I'm like, bro, you see what Caesar's doing right here? Like you see how Paco's playing this? Like do this, like this is godlike, you know? And I implement it in our gameplay and we'll like go over it and be like, all right, when we get a wave of kills, run into these positions and spawn trap them. And then, like, we go to run into them, we all just die. And then they're on the point stacking. And then we're all, like, panicking. And then we all die again. And they transition point and get the other point, And they win the round. And we're like, well, like, we talked about it. Like, what? Like, I that, is, that is kind of, you know, with the whole, like, standy thing. That is kind of a mindset, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, Too Real and TJ and Pro Loot, like, they've had to, you know, they play maybe the dirty role, the like dirty work role where, you know, they're getting on the point where maybe their next thought isn't like, okay, I'm going to go spawn to you. I'm going to go to this box, this heading yeah. in like, let everyone else funnel in behind me where maybe that's like something Stanley can, can bring to you guys. We've looked a lot better on control the last couple of days okay. of scrims. So hopefully it translates We're we're winning a silos three Oh, which we'd never done before. And uh, hopefully fortress control is out and there's a new map. So we'll just get good at that map. <laughs> Well, Perfect. speaking of Fortress, though, uh, you know, you guys, right when this team formed, you guys were good at search, right? Um, that's what clicked. That's what got you through the league matches. Yeah, you were, like, Nezloing people. You just needed, like, your search wins. Um, you know, you've improved in some other spots, but Joe kind of said, like, this new map might be coming. You guys are 8-1 and one on Fortress search. That could go away. I mean, who knows? Like, then now do you have concerns around that game mode if suddenly your best search is gone? Yeah, I think there's concerns about our search in general right now. I think, I mean, we've had two roster changes now. I don't even think we were yeah. fully comfortable there on it with uh, with two real, but and now yeah. we gotta we gotta do it again with Eli. Um, but I think that you have really strong search players, and myself and Donnie and Teach, and it doesn't sure. really matter who the fourth player is. It's like, and Eli does bring some good search talent there too, and and like you said, Joe, like he has that kind of killer mentality in his mindset mm-hmm. but he's also still going to be like carrying bombs and stuff like that helping with the objective work so it's not just going to be only on tej or something to carry bombs um and it's you know it's a bit worrisome but i think like we were 8-0 on that fortress D leading into the boston series but that just means they have eight maps of film to watch on a map where there's only so many things to do. So if they actually prepped, <laughs> which they did, one, one thing to do, basically. Yeah, there's one thing to do. There's <laughs> one spot to sit in. So it's like I was getting prenated by three grenades in my spot that I sit in. And I was like, finally, it took nine maps 
in, of playing this in tournaments, but I'm finally getting hard countered on the ninth fucking map of playing this map. Like, I finally, people realize, hey, he plays in this fucking spot. And it's just like, it, it's worrisome, but I also think that the best search, like, style isn't like a, a game plan orient, like, not game plan, that's the wrong word. Like, a strategy oriented. Yeah, you have to be reactive. Your option, like, your tree branches that, like, so it's like, okay, we're going at. And then it's like, is there anyone here? Is there two players here? Or like, okay, if there's zero people in the bomb site, the next branch, like, get bombed down, set up in the clutch spots. If there's one person here, stun him out, nade him out, somebody go here, somebody do this. So like the branches that come off of the plays and like how we call them option plays, mm-hmm. how that is all coordinated is more important than anything else. Like you can't, like your initial strat is just like the opening the door and then the act of like actually walking through it and closing it behind you is a whole different story. And I think that gets lost in a lot of COD players. They think like, oh, we're, going, we're doing our B strat. It's like, yeah, B strat? But what if, like, what if they stack it? Like, what if there's like a guy? What if we die? What if this happens? What, what like, about what post-plant? Yeah, yeah what, no, exactly. it gets crazy. Yeah, people, it's don't crazy. Even, people don't think about past like the first 10 seconds of a round. So I think like that's what like puts us kind of a little bit ahead of a lot of people is that yeah. we do think about it in a much more dynamic, adaptive kind of uh, route tree. Makes sense. Uh, I mean, one good thing is your guys' hard point got a lot better, uh, you know, at the major. I mean, insane comebacks, but it just seems to be in a much better place. Uh, looking forward, though, stage four is starts next weekend. And I think you guys, you know, you're 20 points away from the eighth seed. Uh, you know, that team is struggling. That team is struggling right now. We don't, I mean, a, a roster, though, that can turn it around. Um, but 20 points away. And I think, you know, you have a pretty juicy schedule. You play Boston, you play London, you play LAG, Ultra, and Mutineers. Obviously, you have Boston and Ultra in there who are you know, probably two of the top four, top six teams, wherever you want to put them. But the other three, I mean, we've seen it all year. Three and two could get you in the winner's bracket. So this seems like a very good chance for you guys to make up some ground, but also start in that ever so elusive winner's round one. Yeah, finally. Yeah, I mean, we that that is the true first step for Legion is getting a winner's <laughs> bracket spot first because we almost did it last stage. We choked pretty hard. I mean, we had a pr- the hardest stage out of anyone last stage and ended up managing to beat Thieves and then only had to win against uh, it was like Rocker and Gorillas and we lost to Gorillas and so we kind of shot ourselves in the foot last stage. We realized. Oh, we had the quote unquote hardest stage last stage and we still could have qualified playing an easy a quote unquote easy team and still fumbled it. So we're not like counting like we're not counting ahead of ourselves at all right here. We're looking at this like, okay, we need to get a lot better by March thirty first. We got five days or six days. Let's uh, you know, put the pedal to the metal, let's come out firing for this Boston Breach series and try and go up one oh. Like try try and go win the first map, try and win the second map, you know. We're we're looking at it as a very singular thing and you know, oh. with map count, with how everything comes, like, yeah, people might say, oh, it's an easy strength schedule. You got gorillas, ravens, and mutineers, but. No, this both- is all, I mean, London's getting better, right? Uh, yeah, Boston, they're a lot obviously better. Got a very good, uh, LAG's still a very solid squad. Obviously, Alex just got injured. It's not like the easiest schedule. I mean, I don't think there's an easy match. There I was isn't. just saying, I think there's uh, a chance for you here. Uh, you know, also yeah. just defending champs. There's it, it, a chance for you is, guys here to pick up points. It's probably it your best looking schedule to get winners, though, if we're yeah. going to be honest. Like, it, it is the 10th, 11th, yeah. and 12th teams in the state. So, like, yeah, to be yeah, fair, like, it's a fair assumption yeah. to make, but I just don't yeah. think there's any, like, free wins in COD anymore. Of, of course, like, of course. In the but if I look at it, like, get winners, you bitch. Yeah. This is the one to do it. We, we should be able to do it this one, but like I said, we're just 
We we got to get better by then. We got we got a couple days cool. before then, and uh, hopefully come out swinging. You and I, um, we're gonna a couple questions from like Joe and I. Then we're gonna move into some community questions. Um, but uh, well, best of luck to you and you and Paris. The new squad, obviously. But Las Vegas, amazing. Not Paris. Oh, did I say Paris? Las you Vegas. She's dude, Legion. Las Vegas Legion. Uh, my brain's still old. Um, you and I talked about this a bit because I think uh, you know, I always ask you if you you thought about maybe being in uh being a broadcaster like on the desk or a caster. Um, and you kind of always said, nah, you don't think that's like sort of your 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 vibe for what's next. And when we talked, like you were like content creation, maybe you sort of when we would chat and granted, we were probably hammered, like talking after an event, <laughs> like you never you never seemed like super set in what you wanted. Now, with the last couple of years and how stuff has gone, have you given more thought to you know, what's maybe next after this thing's done? Yeah, I put I put more thought into it. Uh, I have not come to any more cleaner of a conclusion. Uh, you know, I'm chasing I, the lot, dragon. I'm chasing yeah, the dragon. Yeah, yeah. I'm riding this wave until I fall off, man. I like I'll figure that out when I'm done. I, I, I don't have like other like other than something like music, but it's like how would I translate a path in pro gaming to then a path in like a career in music and like but that's you and so, tim bro a duo record holy so, so far away from each other that it's kind of like i don't know how how to mesh that yet and uh i don't know i don't know like obviously i, I have a deep love for cod and the cod community and a lot of the pros and, and you guys and just everybody in the whole scene like i just been around so long i have a lot of love for everybody and I would love to stick around in some capacity. Like, you know, maybe it is me on the desk or analyzing or commentating or, you know, whatever it is. Just, I don't know. I, I do, as I get a little older, I'm getting a little more nostalgic. And it's like, I don't know if I really want to ever just be separated from everybody. Because, like, if I didn't, like, have any kind of work or relationships with everybody, would I just, like, lose 90% of my friends? You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously not. But just those connections and and stuff like I, I still think it's yet to be determined like i could say yeah now like oh i don't want to be a streamer or i don't want to cast or anything but if i'm done competing and i get the offer to do it you know i might see it as another challenge or something else as the next chapter or something else to do so it's up in the air i'm focused on competing right now and uh, i'm going till the wheels fall off baby listen I, you I stuck it. around through these last four uh, you know some of these cod titles bro you might be competing forever you might be <laughs> actually competing for, forever I, I, i'm like right there with you though like i i just i'm like i'm gonna cast till i die on camera and yeah, if, if i suddenly am not if i'm not suddenly casting i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do but i'm casting as long as i can that's i get it yeah no he's gonna live forever he's gonna live if somehow maven's gonna live past all of us i, I don't really know how but he will There's lots of well, I drink lots of water. Yeah, it's all we that get it. sun. And that's all yeah. that sun. <laughs> it's all that sun. All right. Uh, also tweeted out some community questions, so we will get towards those. Some funny ones, some serious ones. Um, this one's from uh, Jay Kale, the Deserto guy. Um, he is just curious. Do you ever feel like you don't get enough respect in the goat discussion? I don't know, the crim sabotage. Like, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think... feel like you're always top five, but I guess yeah. like you know. You know, he's like a, a goat. Or do you not really care? You're just worried about I, your next map. I don't really give a fuck, like, to be honest. Like, okay. I I think that that's something that I did chase when I was younger is, like, being the best COD player, being the number one earner, or you know, having the most championships. But I think as I've gotten older and gained more perspective on the scene as a whole, um, the fact that I'm mentioned in the conversation as one of the best Call of Duty players of all time is all that I really care about. Like, you know, you can sit there and semantic out, you know, everything, little thing. But in the end, the fact that, like, 
my legacy, what I've accomplished, what I've done for this game, what I've contributed to my teams and the organizations I've played for is recognized by the community as a whole. And I do think I am, you know, like underappreciated a little bit, but I think that comes with the territory. That just has always been my career. I always rub some people the wrong way. Uh, some people don't always see the full value in the stuff that I do and the things that I say. And I get that. I mean, that's just life. And I, I don't really let it bother me at all. I think it's more so like, you know, like it's sometimes when I stop teaming with teammates, we're always at odds. But within like a year or two, they always hit me up and be like, yo, I'm sorry. I was being kind of an asshole. Like, I apologize. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Hey, you know, they always come. Thank say, you. Say, they, yeah, thank you. You know, and I feel like I get that a lot. And so while I come off as abrasive and especially people who don't really know me, they kind of have an idea of who I am. And then they meet me and they're like, oh, Clayster and Clay are two different fucking people. Like the person I am on that stage versus the person I am at the bar having a drink is completely night and day. And I think once people realize that, they start appreciating me a little more. So the fact that I'm even in the the fact that I'm in the conversation, I'll take that. I I will say though that you know the big four you know ahead of you are all all gone now. So this is your chance to. (laughs) This is my first chance, man. Good chance. This is your good chance. Um. This one is from a Mr. KFD. He was just curious, uh, what is your goal this season as a team and as a player? And I think that's that's fair with like Legion. I don't know how you came into the season, like you know, with this roster. Like you said, it was sort of the last roster spot. Like, were you thinking qualify for champs? Sort of what what's your goal this year? I mean, the goal is always to win a tournament, win champs. Sure, uh, yeah. that's always the goal. But realistic uh, goal, yeah. you know, is um. It's at the start of the year, I came into it saying I, I would help them get the champs. You know, I'd help the team uh, qualify for champs, do enough and get there. Because once you get to the dance, anything can happen. And so, uh, you know, as I joined the team and gained a little more understanding and knowledge of the team, uh, like I said, getting winner's bracket is actually the first step that we have to do. That's the first <laughs> goal that we have to accomplish. I didn't realize that they had never made one in like the history of this like new format last two it years. It did real so, bad, uh, bro. Real, real bad. And uh, I didn't realize I hadn't made a single winner's bracket. So getting a winner's bracket spot is number one. Uh, breaking through the top six barrier, number two. And uh, number three is get a set qualification for champs. And then obviously, hopefully win that thing. I didn't either. If it makes you feel better, I had no I idea. I did. I mean, before playing them, they had like 40 total CDL points. Like, <laughs> well, the, the first year of MW, they were pretty good. Like, they were decent. Like, the yeah, first but I year. Think, I think that, was, I think that year. That was before, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it, I think they're counting after that. Yeah, for, no, they definitely were. Cold War and Bangor. I just think of him setting like some sort of record. It felt like every couple of months that was not a good record. Like most Jesus. matches lost in a row. No, like that's what it was. But that's what I'm saying. Like you're there to turn that around. That's why I think it makes such a good story. And that's why you're like the underdogs because they were. I mean, they, they were they were good. Yeah. And now, now a chance to turn that around. So I, I think it's awesome. Uh, last one. This is from Doug's pull-up bar. Um, <laughs> he wants to know: Will we ever see the ponytail again? Is it ever coming back? I have wanted to bring it back very oh, badly. There's a, um, Let's go. There, there's a Let's want go. inside, but there is also a girlfriend blockade. And uh, <laughs> if you guys, if people watching this actually want the ponytail back. You guys need to all tweet at Luna and convince her, let me bring it back. Because she said, you know, she's not having it. She'll cut it off in my sleep if I try and grow it out. Like, so, hey, it's on Luna. Um, so I will text her DM and it. tweet her every day for you. Bro, I just want you to win with the ponytail and then just, like, have, like, a six-pack of beer just going nuts with it, dude. Just champagne shower just everywhere. That would be the best thing uh, I just ever. want to pull on it. I just want to pull on it. 
<laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyways, Jesus. Um, Clay, uh, thank you so much for for joining us. Um, you know, where where can people follow you if if they want to check out you, your content? Is it just Clayster yeah. everywhere? Yeah, it's Clayster everywhere. I've been I'm such an OG. I got the original handle on literally everything: Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. You know, YouTube, wherever you want to follow me at Clayster, baby. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. And honestly, that went. We tried to be right around like 90 minutes considering your entire uh, career and stuff. And that, that, that went pretty it was well. tough. We could have <laughs> talked forever. Oh, we, we skipped. Talk Joe forever. and I were just deleting stuff on the dock we had. <laughs> every every we other couple of lives. We're going to get rid of that. Get rid of that. Um, but no, it was uh, it was very cool of you to come on because I know you got a lot going on. And uh, listen, good luck. You know, you just made the change. This is the run to try and get winner's bracket. So thanks and good luck. And everybody watching, um, this is the Toronto Ultra American Maven podcast. Have a fantastic evening. It's a pleasure chatting, boys. I love you.